The first rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club Minute is we do talk about Fight Club. The third rule of Fight Club Minute, someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the minute is over. Fourth rule, only one guest to a minute. Fifth rule, one minute at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirt, no shoes. Seventh rule, minutes will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first time listening to Fight Club Minute, enjoy the show. I am Jack's 40th minute. I start with I am Jack's colon, I get cancer, I kill Jack. And I end with how it was important for Tyler to go to college. I'm your host, Bubba Wheat. And after fighting, my co-host Lance Downsford's volume always seems turned down. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I just a friendly reminder to men of a certain age, like go get your colon checked. Like it's it's important. So after I'm fighting, sorry, what? Just no. I mean, take care of yourself. You know, <laughs> when you get older. And joining us is someone who every six years goes off and starts a new podcast, setting up franchises. Niall McGowan, how are you doing today? Yeah, there's a sign out the front that says Niall's time. I'm Whoa! Niall. Who the Whoa! fuck are you? <laughs> wrong minute, wrong minute. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm, this is your, your first time on, on here. And, you know, I, I like to start out before we get into today's minute with what your history is with Fight Club and, you know, how you came to this movie and, uh, and all that. Oh, uh, I first saw Fight Club just when it hit VHS rental, I believe. Uh, I would have been 12 uh, wow. when it first came out. Uh, but I remember it being like, I was a real movie-obsessed kid way back when. Uh, and um, I just remember, I, I was part of, partially part of that thing where I just saw the posters for it and was like, it looks like a stupid Steven Seagal fight him up movie like the glimmer man that kind of thing like fight club it just has oh it's brad it's, it's pretty boy brad pitt doing pretty boy stuff and it's just a stupid action movie or whatever uh, and i remember my brother who is sort of the uh the bastion for like a, a lot of my tastes uh growing up he had a poster on it that he cut out of a magazine in the room of his uh and on the wall of his room and it was ed norton hugging bob uh, and it had the line, you know, uh, when people think you're dying, you know, they really listen instead of waiting for their turn to speak. Um, and it had been like, hmm, what's that got to do with Fight Club? And then he was like, oh, you don't know what Fight Club actually is. And then he pitched it to me as a thing. Uh, and then it came out on VHS, like, you know, very, I think it was around near Christmas time. Uh, and I rented it and I was sold <laughs> on it. And it was just like, this is incredible. Like, it, uh, just found it to be you know, that surprise thing of like, oh, it's actually a densely layered film. Uh, and yeah, just spent years sort of just going back over and over it again. Like it's, um, there's so much to Fight Club that it's, it's just like, it, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the movie that keeps on giving, even rewatching it, the, rewatching it this week was a fascinating experience for me because it was just like, oh my God, there is, there's even things I've not even thought about that's going on within this thing as well. So um yeah i'm a i'm a big uh lifelong lifelong fan i guess from the age of 12 uh and uh hardcore defender of the movie because i know from more recent times too and just with internet discourse picking up and things like that and 
there are Fight Club detractors out there now mm-hmm. who kind of enjoy sort of laying into it. Um, and well, we had a debate on on my show at one point about the the, the values of Fight Club, uh, and I think it was one of those things of it kind of much like Project Mayhem becoming sort of self aware and perpetuating itself without Tyler's leadership. The Fight Club fandom have kind of taken the movie, and <laughs> some of them have morphed it into something it was never intended to be, or sort of taking some lessons from it and not observing what you know what the rest of it is saying and things like that. Uh, which is kind of somewhat damaged the movie's reputation uh, from my observations in recent years. But I'm here to tell you, uh, it's still good. <laughs> it's okay. Fight Club, hot take, Fight Club, good, actually. <laughs> well, you're you're preaching to the choir here because, you know, we're a couple of people spending a year to break this down minute by minute. So yeah. we, we clearly love this movie. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I know you, um, you guys have spoken with Travis already, right? Uh, yeah. Um, me and him and Robert Robin Burge at one point were considering doing Fight Club as a movie's by a minute, you know, about a year or two ago as well. It uh, never came to fruition, but I don't know if Travis mentioned that, but yeah, for the, a brief glimmer in time, we we too were going like this thing would be really, really interesting to break down minute by minute. Uh, and so, yeah, it never came together, but now thankfully, you guys have, have picked up that baton and uh, and uh, are actually going to finally. I'm just excited too because, like, of the at this point. None of the show is, is is airing as yet, but like I'm excited to to hear what you guys have to say about the whole thing. Like it's a it's a movie I, I would definitely like to. I've been waiting to see get this treatment, and I'm happy now that someone's finally doing it. Well, it works yeah. out really nice because almost every minute is like, especially toward the first of the film, is self not self contained, but like every minute has a beginning, middle, and end almost, and you can uh, just really it lends itself to this format. You know, some movies scenes start and stop in awkward spots but almost this whole film like minute by minute it is just complete and so it's been a whole lot of fun and it's so fast-paced too so it, it it's not like you know you you have uh, three weeks talking about a single scene where barely anything happens it, it's like literally every minute is almost something completely different mm. well that, that's that's the thing too it's like i never realized it's like it's nearly two and a half hours long. <laughs> like it, yeah. it doesn't feel like, like at all. I always thought it was like, yeah, it's like a ninety-minute movie. Like no, no, it's two, nearly two and a half hours. Like well, anytime, usually someone pitches me nowadays, particularly now because I'm an old man of thirty-six. If someone pitches me <laughs> in a two and a half hour movie, I'm like, get the hell out of here! I don't have that kind of time in my life anymore. Uh, but yeah, back then it was just like, yeah, one blink. It's just like, oh, but what was it? Didn't felt like eighty minutes. You know, it was it, it flew, mm-hmm. flies by. All right. Well, you know, getting into today's minutes, this is, you know, the this is the end of kind of the the Paper Street House, and we get this this last shot of, you know, the the introduction of the the whole uh, I am Jacks blankety blank uh, that we got last week, that that really defines. Edward Norton's nameless character. It, it it basically gives him a name, even though it's not really his name. But th- this this is where we start calling him Jack, basically. And in the novel and in the movie, that's kind of what you think of him because he keeps referring to himself as Jack, starting last week and into this minute. Yeah, 
I still always call him Cornelius. This is like that was the name <laughs> they presented at the start, and I'm sticking with it. God damn it. You know, it's funny. My my wife, um, she's been, you know, she watches a bunch of random stuff. She started watching this, like I didn't know I was pregnant. And there was an episode where the the woman's husband was named Cornelius. And I was just <laughs> like, holy, holy crap, there's actually people named Cornelius. They they really exist. I think the only the only one I know of is just Planet of the Apes, <laughs> Cornelius. <laughs> I always thought that was and, weird though, because I'm sure you got you guys will have covered it by now. But because it, yeah. it, it seems like there's a pattern there. It's like oh, Rupert and Travis is like oh, it's the Nero characters, like you know Rupert Pupkin, Travis Bickle, and then Cornelius is just like, ah, <laughs> like you surely would have gone for like <laughs> Jake for Jake Lamar or Jimmy or something like that, you know Jimmy Conway. But just like yeah, he's doing the Nero characters, and then I guess he watched Planet of the Apes that night and was like. <laughs> Or he was really hoping he was going to get caught. Because if you meet someone at like, what, age 30 called Cornelius, your, your radar is going to start beeping, I think. Like, I would be I would be sus as soon as someone presented that. Like, are you sure? Like, you and you go by Cornelius as well. Like, you're owning it. Mm -hmm. All right. All right, man. You, you, you do you. I don't I don't know if there is anyone with that name under the age of uh, 85. But uh, OK, let's, let's do there this. is on on. I didn't know I was pregnant, apparently. Uh, <laughs> You know, in that this scene, you know, Ty, wrapping it all up with, you know, I get cancer, I kill Jack. I think that's kind of telling, um, you know, because if if Ed Norton is Jack, and then for Tyler to be like, oh yeah, I, you know, I I kill you, is kind of for I don't, you know, again, it's one of those, um, like you were saying, you know, the more you rewatch it, the more you pick up on stuff. How. Basically, Tyler right now is saying, yeah, you know, the things inside you, the things that you think you control, you know, things you think are healthy or whatever, actually are the things that kill you. And, you know, and he just flat out says, you know, I I, I get cancer, I kill Jack. So in my mind, that's him projecting like, hey, you know, yeah, I'm taking over you and eventually going to kill figuratively, you know, who you are and what you are and take over entirely. Uh, yeah, Tyler is Jack's colon, you know, the narrator's colon cancer. Mm, mm. That's, a, that's an interesting one to bring up as well, because um, the the other character that's likened to cancer is Marla of the whole, you know, if I had a tumor, I'd name it Marla, all that, all that business. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, yeah, because there is there is a there is a theory that Marla herself is not actually real, that she's another she's another personality of. The, of the the narrator so it's like oh, it'll be it'll be an interesting one to if you looked at it through that lens like whether that that that, that was intentional or not like that would actually stand up really well to scrutiny now i've you know i i don't i may have heard that before but i i hadn't thought about it since we started doing that so we we haven't actually brought that that theory uh, but yeah, that's that'll be something well, for us to keep in mind in the future when marla comes back yeah, because I think we we get like one one little brief shot of her within this week, and mm -hmm. that was my yeah like one of my big Marla things is like I actually like everything everything bar the fact that like the Project Mayhem guys bring her you know bring her up to the building at the end. Every other indication is that yeah she's she's not real. She doesn't she doesn't interact with anyone but but Ed Norton like the whole movie and and obviously Tiny Durden, but you never see them in the room together really. You know, the, not but they're all the therapy time, stuff. So. They're in all the therapy stuff at the first. She interacts with people and oh, other but people. But she's, she's in the room with them, though. But you never see her really, like, talking to people. She always She's always talking to Ed Norton. And then the rest of the time, she's just sat by herself. 
sort of lingering like around in the background. In, the very first time you see her, though, she walks in and everything just stops. Like everybody turns and looks at her. Mm. But that could have been like an imagined, yeah, you know, uh, an imagined moment. A lot of people, uh, I mean, there's a scene where a guy literally beats up Tyler Durden in this movie. <laughs> and you're supposed <laughs> to just be like, I guess he's beaten up the narrator. But um, that's, that was an interesting one for me, too, is obviously if people don't know me. Um, the, what I'm currently doing is um, Bat Minute, wherein we break down, you know, the Batman movies minute by minute. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, that uh, re rewatching it for this for the first time in a while and getting to that scene of Lou from Lou's Tavern beating up Tyler Durden was like, oh, this is this is full on the interrogation scene from The Dark Knight, like just wailing on a guy and him laughing at you. And stuff. I was like, oh, wow, it's like there's so much. Yeah, this 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 movie gets so influential. I don't know if you would ever have got Heath Ledger's Joker if not for Fight Club. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean that's a whole other. You, you guys will get to that scene eventually. But the, <laughs> But I don't know, I mean, if you would have gotten Jared Leto's Joker without Fight Club. No, I mean, you can't blame it for everything, you know. <laughs> but then, you know, then you have like the quick cut from, and we'll get to Ozzy and Harriet later in the week, but, you know, it's like the 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 way you go from domestic life to work life, um, I thought was kind of interesting because Jack almost said, uh, yeah, Ed, whatever, Jack, Ed, narrator, whatever we're calling him this week, um, you know how he's still like at work he's so zoned out but not in the way you know like i don't know when normal people are air quotes i always air quote on a visual medium uh, uh <laughs> audio medium sorry but you know like i know when i had a traditional job and stuff you know you get where you just zone out and it's not because you fought the night before it's just the whole hum of you know a daily job but i like how he makes it to where it's not that the job is what's boring he's like your whole life is boring mm. if you're not fighting yeah yeah mm. i'm surprised he just didn't have this this problem with his boss before because he was you know well, throughout all the insomnia stuff as well you think it must have been some days where he was just sat zoned out at his desk too but, <laughs> uh, probably yeah. but he's still able to to get his work done mm. but before that, I did want to mention the one one bit from the commentary in this, you know, the, this very beginning scene with Brad Pitt riding the bicycle around the the room, which, you know, it, on one hand, it does show you how how massive this Paper Street house is, that even though it's so dilapidated, but they they talk about how Brad Pitt is naked under the robe as he's uh, riding around, and during this. The shot in this they they did have one take where they got like a perfect shot of brad pitt's naked rear end as uh edward norton <laughs> shines the light <laughs> the sun shines the flashlight up and uh edward norton called david fincher a coward for not using that take <laughs> i'd forgot i remember that in the commentary i'd forgotten about that yeah yeah i'll say i yeah i agree <laughs> good call Ed, Ed. Yeah, you're 100% right and then also this this bike crash at the end that that was taken from uh, Brad Pitt really did crash his bike in a similar way, but it's it didn't happen on camera. But then they recreated it in this shot, and he said, you know, it's never as good as the original. Yeah, yeah. Although it's a and, it is a perfect button that you know it seems so such a fitting way to end the whole segment. That's like it's it's hard to believe that it wasn't scripted. It's like yeah, it's, it's, that's how you would end that scene. Of course the. You have to have a button to go out on him crashing the bike is the natural conclusion, you know, but um, it's a uh, my, my only thought uh, at, at this point from living with Tyler, um, 
I, I think I, I, he would start to get in my nerves a little bit, though, like <laughs> because it's it's just it's a, he always has a response to everything. He's one of those guys. It's like you know, you're just reading out like, oh yeah, I am Jax Colin. He has to come out with a little clever quip about it. It's like it just you just yeah, you're never off, are you, Tyler? Like every everything I mentioned, you have to bring it back to. Oh, it's like he's setting up franchises and like everything's <laughs> it's all it's you're always on your your on on about your philosophies, aren't you, man? You just never can't just let anything go. Have to make some sort of quip about it. But uh, but that's just me personally. Yeah. I'm one of those people. I always have like a little to say. Like right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we get this this brief shot back in the office, and I think it's it's really contrasted so well between the you know the dark candlelit paper street house and then this bright office and you know, even so much that whenever we're looking at Edward Norton we have this you know very bright window behind him which mm. just uh, practically washes it out especially whenever you compare it to the almost completely you know the very dark uh, paper street house that we saw just beforehand mm. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's so it's so harsh in comparison. And Paper Street is uh, it's so comforting, particularly in that scene. Cause it's almost like it's you know it's it seems sort of warm in its coloring and it's wet. It's got a kind of like a womb like quality to it and stuff, and it just really feels mm-hmm. like yeah, there's a real sense. It's, of it. it's romantic with all the candlelight too. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, do you think that I mean we've established that everything in this movie is intentional? Um, I don't know if we give Fincher too much credit or not, but do you think that with the window and the washing out of the scene or almost washing out of the scene is to visually reflect the audio. Like everything's just muted. It's white noise. It's, it's just blank compared mm-hmm. to the excitement of fight club. Oh, totally. Yeah. I would 100% say that. That's, mm-hmm. that's definitely what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and I do love that, you know, this, you know, this moment of putting the audience in the narrator's head, because in the narration talks about how everything in life outside of Fight Club is like the volume turned down. And then we get the line from his boss with literally the volume turned down. Like you can't even, I think for the most part, you're not able to hear his first line unless you have the volume turned all the way up or you have subtitles on uh, but he does say, "What are you getting yourself into every week?" Mm, mm. And then Edward, and then Jack says, "What?" And then you hear him just a little bit louder. It's it's still quiet, but it's loud enough for you to hear him say, "Have you finished those reports?" So yeah. he changes it up. But um, I never realized that he actually changes the they actually change the line. So I wonder, mm. do you think there's a reason why why he did that? Where he's like. Uh, he's like, I'm, I'm going to go in and speak to him man to man about what he's up to. And then as soon as he had to be forced to repeat himself, he's like, oh, no, it just goes into generic work talk. It's like, I can't. Yeah, that, that's mean, exactly it. <laughs> you think that or like maybe he's trying to be friendly, like, hey, what are you getting into every weekend? Mm. Yeah, and it's like if you try and be friendly with somebody and they're like, what? You're like, fine, I don't want to be friendly anymore. Like, just, Well, it, it doesn't sound like a friendly conversation. It, it sounds like, you know, he's he's playing the the you know, the, the parental figure boss, you know, what are you getting yourself into every week? You know, just like, mm. cause he's, he's always got these injuries since he's starting, since he started fight club. It's like, you know, what's, what's going on? What's, what's wrong in your life. But mm. then it's just a simple, what it causes him to change track and, you know, go back into work mode and have you finished those reports. Mm. I think it's, it's strange that, um, 
the boss never he never gets into Fight Club, you know, because it seems to spread so far and wide. It's just I'm surprised that they never had any thoughts of like maybe maybe he shows up at one week. Like, but well, I think thing? I think he's too too high up because he's he's like um, I I mean I think technically he would be middle management, but you could kind of consider him being upper management, and then you know upper management that is not that that gets into the more white collar where of edward norton is you know like the more blue collar you know even though he's an office drone but he is an office drone he's not management and and that's like you know the difference between the classes that his boss is upper class and uh edward norton is you know fully middle class Mm -hmm. And and this whole fight club problem you know the the issue is is all about you know the the disenfranchisement of the middle class. Mm, mm. Well, that that that's fair fair enough. Like I I just always saw his bosses like you know it's, it seems like they they could have been more friendly than they are. But, uh, <laughs> but you know maybe I'm just I'm seeing the best in people. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like that old saying. You know, every boss has a boss. So yeah. you know mm-hmm. he's got you got to think he's got somebody above him that he's unhappy with and stuff so yeah i mean yeah, i i see so maybe like in instead of in basements maybe there's a penthouse fight club where <laughs> you know, the, the upper fight and I, I don't know no i just always saw the the, the it might have been more of a thing like oh you know he's, he might be higher up but he could he can still hit bottom you know he can be <laughs> be torn down from there he's not like he's not like he's a millionaire or anything but yeah, maybe it could be again. It's just a personal thing of just like Ed Norton just wouldn't want him at Fight Club. It's like no, that's that's my old life. I don't want anything any reminders of that coming in. Um, yeah, but uh, should also mention too, of course. There we got the the Krispy Kreme on the desk. Yeah, uh, which is just like yeah, per- permeates the movie. <laughs> Krispy Kreme, obviously deliberately so, you know. But mm. every time you see it, it's just like you know. I know the whole movie is so you know, anti-capitalist, anti-consumerist and stuff. But like, every time I see that bag, it, it makes me want a Krispy Kreme. You know, it's, <laughs> you're still working for the man, David Fincher. Like you're, you're doing their job for them still. Like I'm looking and going, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll go out and get one, you know, <laughs> once I'm done with this. Yeah. And then we also get this fantastic transition with him dropping the papers and you get the water drop noise. And then the transition into the bathroom scene. Yeah, that's a that's a really just really terrific editing. So like I, these I days, I, I think this was uh, pre well of uh, when uh, when was uh, Edgar Wright spaced? Because this feels like an Edgar Wright transition in a way. Been, yeah, yeah, but space I think was two thousand, so it would have been just on the. But I think again, this is what what so much of what Fight Club appeal back when it. Uh, Back when I first saw it, was all the little snazzy editing things that not now watching it are like, yeah, people, movies do this all the time now. These kind of things, um, mm. but like you know, even starting off in the, the narrator's brain and coming out through his head and down his nose, all that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, you see that all the time. But like back then, it was quite literally mind blowing to be like, what? What are they doing? Like the, <laughs> the camera goes out, goes out a window, down through the street and stuff. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, just yeah, little subtle ones too. Like that is such a clever little one. Because even like, seeing the movie like a million times, but when when he flops over the papers and you hear that plink of the water, internally you think like, oh, he's knocked over his coffee cup or something. Like every time I think like it's something to do with the drink he's got on his table, and then you're like, oh no, it's Tyler in the bath. That's yeah, that's, that's they get me, they get me every time. 
Yeah, it definitely feels like it's it's part of that scene. It, it feels like, you know, it's it's the this muting of real life. And mm. it's the uh, like the water noise is kind of like, you know, he's hearing that instead of hearing the papers drop because that's that's a part of like this this muted noise. But then it switches to the bathroom and it's like, oh, it, it's no, it's part of the scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you guys done enough uh, celebrating of? Uh, oh, you pronounce his name Zach Grenier or Grenier? Yeah, Zach Grenier. Grenier, yeah. Because to me, though, he's got that thing where it's just like every he said like a million things, and every time it's like, oh, it's the boss from Fight Club. Like, <laughs> it's just it's immortalized him. And this it's the same with the we call him Xander Berkeley. It's like he's in like five billion shows a year, and every time you're like, oh, it's John Connor's stepdad from Terminator Two. Like I know his name. <laughs> But he will forever be. He'll never be Zach Rainier to me. He'll always be. Oh, the boss. Not even the character name. Just the boss from Fight Club. Um, I don't even remember if they, you know, they give him a name. I think it's always just. I think yeah. they, 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 when the, the scene where Ed Norton's beating himself up in the office, it cuts to his a plaque on his desk, and it's like Richard oh, yeah. something. He does have he does have a name, but it's one of those ones. It's like why it's never spoken. Him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so many characters in it, though don't have a name so you, you'd think like if they you could remove that and make that part of the but then maybe it's like a lot of the people you know like angel face obviously isn't that character's real name and there's so many people if you go through the the credits list it's all just nader d or you know they have him listed as richard chesler regional manager yeah yeah so maybe because Chesler's he's not part name. of it they're like he, he doesn't become part of project mayhem or i think his character does have a name and so that's why like and then everyone else involved in it has to be just like no they're just uh, other other than ricky like ricky's yeah. the only other uh like fight club member that is called out by name which we haven't mm. gotten to him yet yeah i guess bob as well but then he had it prior so you can mm. excuse that one maybe yeah uh but yeah that's just he's just a guy like yeah always a welcome welcome presence seeing his face though but even though every time it will just make you go oh it's the boss from fight club mm-hmm. um yeah, he did a great show that lasted one season uh, a couple of years ago called Brain Dead, which was about uh, alien worms infecting politicians in Washington and trying to like take over the you know Capitol Hill basically. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was like t- Tony Shalhoub and uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and it was great because it used to have like every episode would begin with like musical recaps of the previous episode and stuff, like just like a guy <laughs> with a guitar singing about what happened last week. And it was really funny. I absolutely loved it. And he was in every episode, you know, the, the Boston Fight Club. Uh, and yeah, got canceled. <laughs> it was just one of those things like, it's too niche. It's too weird. It's too good. It won't last. Uh, and it didn't. But uh, it's still out there. So if anyone wants to see a one one season wonder uh, featuring the yeah, Boston I, Fight Club. I hadn't Club, even heard of it uh, before now. No. It was, uh, everything that Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in is uh, on my radar. So. <laughs> Uh, that was why <laughs> I watched all of it. But as it went on, I was like, "Oh, it's actually really, really good as well." People should give this a shot. But uh, yeah, looks like it was only eight episodes in 2016. So yeah, well, that's you know, that's eight hours of your life you'll be yeah. well spent. That's <laughs> And then we get we get into this bathroom, which it's this is like a very intimate scene between these two characters. I mean, like Brad Pitt is is literally naked in the bathroom while. Uh, Edward Norton is just sitting down uh, on the floor, I guess, you know, cleaning up his his wounds from the fight. Mm. And they 
start getting into this again it, it's like if it it starts out as just like a normal conversation you know who would you fight and then it morphs into this intimate discussion about their fathers yeah yeah that's what i was gonna Ooh. ask you you guys like if you ever uh interpreted it in any way because it just it, any scenes of someone in something this intimate would make you think is, is there like a homoerotic subtext the fight club and bizarrely for me, I, I've never, like, even though it was a lot of, like, yeah, sweaty men, you know, getting into close quarters contact underground and stuff, it still never feels like it is trying to do that in a, in a bizarre way. But I'm, I'm sure that many people try to, you know, may may well have a, a homoerotic sub, you know, subtextual reading of the movie. But just the... I, I haven't looked into the, you know, the, the lasting... Um you know, a gay culture acceptance of the movie. But in the commentary, they, David Fincher does talk about how the gay culture did mm. uh, did embrace this movie even like pretty early on and into its release. And he, he specifically mentioned like this, this scene was probably one of the ones that, that really situated that and, and that he would see like several Tyler Durden's in like uh, gay events, like people dressing mm. up as Tyler. Yeah. The, it's, it's understandable here. Like my, my, the vibe I get from it more is just that uh, because the, the narrator is just so, he's so isolated, you know, it's, it's there's a whole, there's a whole commentary to be made about like the, you know, the, the, the still current thing, like the, this sort of loneliness epidemic in young men is a big thing that, you know, was going on for many, many years. And I think the, the vibe I get from it is more like present him sitting next to Tyler and Tyler just being in the bath. It's just like it's intimacy, but it's just more it really is. It's like, oh, these guys are just really close with each other. And it's, yeah, just it's like it's int- like a platonic intimacy. Yeah. Whoa. He's just happy that he has a guy he can sit and chill and be totally and they're comfortable being naked around each other. And it's just like it's just locker room talk. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've had people <laughs> who are like, "Well, who sits next to somebody in bath?" I'm like, in, in in the gym, especially like high junior high, high school gym, like guys are taking showers next to guys combing their hair next to guys getting dressed. Like, mm. yeah, I mean, baths are just inherently a little more sensual, intimate, which I don't understand because you're like just sitting in your own dirty stuff. But yeah. <laughs> something about baths, you know, as soon as you put in a bath, all of a sudden it's romantic. But I'm like. If it was a shower, it'd be totally, you know, heteronormal or, uh, you know, but I, so, I mean, people who code, I mean, I think you'd be coded either way, like either, because we've talked um, earlier in the, in the show about if this were a rom-com and, you know, that's something you'd see in a rom-com, like you'd have one of them in the bath and the next one, you know, brushing their teeth, talking and whatnot. Mm. Uh, But then also, you know, you could, you could frame it any way you want and it still makes it interesting you know because if you frame it in well i mean either way it's like them like bubble we said like having this intimate conversation that starts off as a locker talk maybe like oh who do you want to fight oh man i want to fight my boss my gym teacher blah 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 but then it the way it morphs into something so i think i think that's what helps bridge it is you know it's since it starts off so casual um not that i before this movie, I never asked anybody who they wanted to fight. Now that's like my opener when I meet people. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, then, you know, when you get to talk, because anytime you talk about family and especially in the way they are about like, oh, I didn't know my dad. I didn't, you know, I didn't know what was up here. It, um, I, I think it helps mm. not, yeah, not pull the bandaid off, but they like put the salve on the wound. Of, okay. Like now we're 
we're going from locker room talk into bedroom talk and yeah. it's i think it's really great well i think it's, it just speaks to them too uh, the, the level of bonding they have even in co- contrast to ju- what just happened with his boss like you know everything was muted and then as you cover there the boss came in and asked him a question about like what are you getting yourself into and then immediately switch it to just banal you know corporate you know work talk like these hmm. guys do not have a connection but now tyler and the narrator do have a thing about like yeah, I'm going to talk to this guy about my father. I've never talked about my dad to anybody, but yeah, I'm going to. We're just going to get into like what, how exactly I was raised by him, and my disappointments in him, and stuff like that. And it's a real, yeah, I think it's it's real speaking to half of what you know is appealing to Fight Club and the whole camaraderie of uh, of the scenario in in Paper Sheet is just like yeah, it's it's all these guys who are just like living together and just been they've been intimates, but not in like a they're just, they're just, they're just, everyone's just friendly. Everyone's just like finally the the pretenses, the pretenses of society have dropped away, and they're able to just kind of be with each other. And uh, again, you could read that in its own homoerotic way as well. <laughs> but it just, it, 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 it feels to me more like it's tapping into a, an aspect of male loneliness rather than you know a romantic thing. But again, you can read it as both things if you want. Yeah, and and I also I th- I think it's it's worth noting like it, it's it's important to mention like the the mirroring of the those two very brief conversations like you mentioned between you know him and his boss versus him and Tyler because like with him and his boss the boss opened with a very personal question like what are you getting yourself into every night and then whenever that doesn't get any traction then he goes into work talk where the with him and Tyler it's the exact opposite they begin with the the banal question you know who would who would you fight and then that's turns into an actual personal conversation because it it started out as something very casual and then it organically morphed into something more personal where the his boss tried to open with something personal and that got shut down because it it's not that's not an organic way to start a conversation that's it's very you know ab- ab- abrasive uh mm-hmm. to do it that way yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's a uh... It's good, yeah, but the whole the whole scene is it's 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 just um, it's great too. It's just like it, it, again too. It settles down after talking about all the flashy editing and stuff as well. Um, and there's also so much there. There's so much subtle foreshadowing in this entire minute because you know we we talked about it at the beginning. The you know Tyler talking about cancer, and then you know he ends up kind of being this form of cancer, and then the the boss um, or the, you know, the, the question of who would you rather, you know, who would you fight? And Edward and Jack says my boss. And that's, that ties into the, the homework assignment later on, whenever he goes to confront his boss. And, and because he said that in this scene, you have an expectation, oh, he's going to fight his boss and lose, which, Mm. you know, happens, but not in the way that you would expect. Yeah. And, And and also this whole conversation that they're, you know, they're connecting over their fathers and Jack keeps saying, you know, that sounds familiar. Like, you know, that's, that's exactly my experience. And that's, again, you know, it's, it's subtle friend, uh, subtle foreshadowing that they are the same character, you know, they're talking about the same father. 
because yeah. they are the same person. And even the, you know, uh, Tyler making the joke sounds like he's setting up franchises, which that's what exactly what Tyler is going to end up doing as, you know, in, in a way like his pseudo father figure, he leaves and he goes to set up franchises in other cities. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. It's yeah. Really, really well written. All the, um... And it's so compact because like all of this, that it's all just compressed within this single minute. and watching it the first time you completely miss all of that because it it feels so natural it just mm. feels like a, it's a part of what you're talking about what but whenever you're breaking it down like this it, it's really like every line matters yeah yeah because yeah. it doesn't it's, feel like exposition you know like i always use the example on star trek the next generation anytime lavar burton talked it's science during like it's important to something you know he's going to tell you ultimately how they're going to save the day but here it's just you know unless if you've seen the movie multiple times you know um you, you're not going to pick up on every little cue here and that's you know when you when you get like a, a checkoff gun situation you know if they're if you were to be like franchise and it zooms in on his face that'd be mm -hmm. one thing you know because you're like okay well where does that play off but the fact that it's just you know who would you fight um mm -hmm. And even then, you know, talking about because he says, like you said, he says my boss, and then he they immediately switch to talking about their dad. So you could throw have that be a throwaway line. Um, although it does make you, you know, if they fight everybody they want to here, like later on, I, I wish we would have gotten a Bill Shatner cameo, but that's you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not that the the only thing about franchising in it is so that's one of the, one of the more fascinating aspects of the movie as well is like I feel a lot of the people who um really embrace you know the the what would Tyler Durden do people sort of like they miss they they sort of just omit in their minds the like oh yeah he Tyler Durden essentially becomes the thing that he's supposed to hate because of the, of his methodology of uh, of setting up franchises and also yeah. the people who really hate the movie as well who are just like oh my god it's just it's feeding the internet shows and stuff are also <laughs> missing out like at the end you know he's supposed to be the bad guy like and it's it's supposed to be like a, um, an indication of throughout the whole movie, you've got like the Budweiser b beside him in the bathtub and the Krispy Kremes. Mm -hmm. Like these, everything's surrounded by franchises. Everything is a copy of a copy of a copy. And then they even like, throughout all the IKEA stuff and all like, oh yeah, the, the little the, the glasses with the little bubbles in them to sell you this thing that you're getting. It's unique what you're getting. This cute little knickknack, but it's actually mass, you know, mass produced and everyone's got it and all this kind of stuff. Although I do appreciate that it looks like you can see a bar of his soap. You know, you, you get to see the the little pink rectangle. Of... Uh, you know, let's always be plugging. You know, <laughs> that's why you buy them into the bathroom. He's just like, yes, come watch me have a bath. You know, this soap is really terrific. If, I, if you ever had to buy a bar of soap, I would highly recommend. We have about 50,000 of them right downstairs. Uh, but yeah, just then to actually turn out that Tyler offers you this thing again, this unique experience of like, I'm going to set you free. And then everything he does is go back into making people into drones and they're right back, just repeating things ad nauseum and he's just franchised the whole aspect of it. And it's like, yeah, it's just a, uh, it's, it's a, you know, all, all that stuff. When I was younger, all the stuff about like the anti consumerist element was the most fascinating part of it to me. But now as I've gotten older, just put the, the critique of Tyler's actual, the, the downfall of his plan and how like, everything about him as a character in terms of how ego driven it all actually is and stuff is stuff. I'm actually much more 
much more interested in because he's much less heroic a figure as you grow older. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I feel, but uh, you guys will get all that stuff <laughs> down the or, line. Or, yeah. or we've just given up and realized we're all consumers. There's nothing we can do about it. We're just going <laughs> to consume. So mm-hmm. maybe it's not that bad. I think because I'm just. Some people will be like, um, I'll be really interested because uh, I know you guys are having on my co-host, uh, John, later on. And mm-hmm. John's a- anti-Fight Club, I believe. Last time they saw it, which I found was quite shocking. But uh, it, I do wonder, like, because it, the ending can be interpreted as, in some ways as being so centrist as well. It's just like, it's all a big mess, I guess, right? <laughs> I, I just wonder what people what, what people spin on the ending actually is. Because I've heard people like, I just always interpreted the the final shots and stuff as just being like, oh yeah, you forgot about the bomb and yeah, this, whoops, it kind of ends on a joke. <laughs> but other people are have either a very like, no, it's just like the thing's out of control now, and he's going to lean into Project Mayhem, and it's just this is going to be Tyler Durden's plan is going to be executed to perfection, or if everything's just a big mess and eh, there's nothing we can do about it, so. We yeah. needed an '80s style, you know, like of every '80s movie where like freezes like. They went on to work to the They traveled <laughs> Europe. Like that's that's what you need at the end of Fight Club. Yeah. And where are they now? Yeah. yeah. Mother Singer was uh, killed in a car crash in, <laughs> in 1999. On the way home from this very moment. <laughs> uh, and then the the last thing that I that I have in my notes about this scene is this is really the first time that we see Jack wearing something comfortable that, that that's not like his full suit and tie work outfits. He's he's wearing just his uh, t shirt undershirt, and it's you know it's got the big blood stain, which that makes sense because at the beginning of this shot we see him like plugging his nose, so it's kind of clearly intended to be from his nosebleed uh but this and uh you know he's also getting ready to bandage uh you know a knuckle cut from from the fighting but i do think that this again that that kind of ties to the intimacy even whenever he was in his condo he was always still pretty much wearing his work clothes but here in paper street he feels comfortable enough to fully get down to his undershirt t-shirt and into something that the most comfortable that we've seen him in to date. Mm, mm. Well, many ways too. I always interpreted like, uh, I know it's supposed to be blood on a shirt, but it also just kind of looks like a little cool design. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, buy that shirt. Yeah. Little black, black boxers on on the top there. Yeah. looks a, looks a little avant-garde. <laughs> like now it's supposed to be a nosebleed. Like, okay. All right. Then. Well, Release the nosebleed shirt then. <laughs> give, give me what I want then. I'm coming to our T Publix or Redbubble site. <laughs> <Soon>. <laughs> Just copy that exact pattern. Mm. And nobody will know what it is unless they know. Yeah, but those people are the ones that would buy four of them. <laughs> those people being me. Um, and then like I said, that that's all I have. Do either of you have anything for this minute? Uh no, nothing nothing else for this particular minute. No, not. That's it. All right. Well, thank you so much now for joining us. And why don't you go ahead and take a minute to plug your projects and let everybody else know where they can find you online. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, if you are into uh, pe- seeing people getting beaten up, uh, I am also the host of uh, the Bat Minute podcast, wherein we talk about the Batman movies minute by minute. Uh, currently, we're in the we're almost finished. Actually, by the, by the time this airs, we will have finished uh, season five. Where we're covering Mask of the Phantasm, the animated movie, 
Uh, but we've already got uh, 89 through Batman and Robin in the can. So you pretty much have five full seasons uh, of us going through the live action iterations of Batman and then swiftly segueing into the animated universe uh, this past season. Um, and that's you know available on uh, the ba- the thebatminutes.com, uh, I believe. Uh, and there's we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We've got the Batman Listeners Cave. Uh, and yeah, all on what's it called? I'm like I've, I'm not gonna call it what it's been renamed, but the artist formerly known as Twitter, we're on there as well. <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah, we're just all over. So we're they're talking about uh, yeah the, the the Batman movies. And um, between seasons, we have other things beyond uh, Batman, uh, where we have special episodes breaking down all the Prince movies and talking about random offshoot kind of things, Mars attacks. Whole bunch of special episodes on random Batman and Jason stuff too. So if Batman's not your thing, but you would like to listen to a special about uh, Joel Schumacher's Phantom of the Opera, uh, <laughs> we've, we've got that on opera as well. All right, and I have been Bubba Wheat, and my co-host has been Lance Stanford, and we are Fight Club Minutes, and you can find us uh, pretty much in, on any available pi- uh, podcatcher at. Uh, you know, if you search for Fight Fight Club Minutes, and we're also a part of Rabbit Hole Podcasts, uh, this it's a great network. There's a lot of great podcasts about anything that you might be interested in: books, movies, TV shows, music. It's it's all, you know, it's practically all covered there. There's a a relatively new show as as we're recording that's uh, you know that's. Anytime a celebrity dies, there you always get you know people talking about their lives and their careers. And uh, uh, we have a new podcast called Hersing Around, which uh, uh, talks about the most recent celebrity deaths and goes into their career. Uh, and that's that's a lot of fun. A, a lot of new people on on that show. And uh, you can find me. I'm on social media at Bubba Wheat, and you can find Lance on social media at The Night Nerd. And uh, until next time, this has been Fight Club Minutes, and this podcast is ending one minute at a time. If you could fight anyone, who would you fight? Fight my boss, probably. Really? Yeah, why? Who would you fight? Fight my dad. What was it about the 90s that made movies so much better? How much of an impact did they make during that decade? And while we're at it, can we throw around some 90s slang? Join me, Jason Soto, a lover of all things 90s, as I do a deep dive into cinema from the best era ever. Rabbit Hole Podcast presents That's the Bomb, yo! 90 hella rad movies from the 90s. You can find this show on Anchor, Apple, Google, anywhere you get podcasts from, or its home location at rabbitholepodcasts.com. And who knows, maybe even Alicia Silverstone will finally accept my date.